0: Everybody, thanks for joining us again. Uh, This is Dave,
1: and this is Libby.
0: This is Trash to Treasure with Jupiter Jane. Uh, So, this week we're going to we've got a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of ground to cover. We're going to do some different stuff we haven't done before. We we don't um, very often talk, well, we've got a lot to cover this week. We're going to Do some new stuff. Uh, We're only three episodes in. This is our third episode. Yay! So we have lots of new stuff. So we got lots of new stuff. We haven't talked about sourcing yet, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, that today. But our big topic is negotiation.
1: Right, right. How to get a good deal.
0: How to get a good deal. We're going to start with our our week this week or our last couple weeks. Um, We just got back today. We we've been sourcing all weekend. And, um, actually Daisy, our dog Daisy, she's joining us tonight because we've been gone all day and we feel kind of bad. And so she's in, so you
1: might hear her jingle.
0: She's pretty quiet. Usually she's like, she's working on a bone right now. So I, I think we'll be okay. okay, but we felt bad as she's been um, by herself all day. So we brought her down here to the studio with us. So let's see these past two weeks. What, what weirdness has happened? We We sold this item. It wasn't really a vintage item. It was kind of vintage, I guess. It was um, a a thing from the probably mid '90s.
1: It was a makeup travel case.
0: Yeah, and so we'd had someone who had sent us a lowball offer, which we declined, and they kept sending offers, and they would they would up each offer by a dollar. You know, it was, one of, it was one of those kind, and eventually she wore us down, I guess, because I accepted, and um, we kind of like met halfway you know on the price and i sent it out to her this item was pristine it was in incredibly good condition considering like i said it was from the mid 90s we you know looked it over really well before we sent it
1: and if you ladies know anything about you know makeup you know as soon as you put makeup in a case you know it leaves traces of powder and color and this this, had never been used
0: yeah this had never been used It, it looked brand new So we send it out. We don't hear anything back for about a week. And then um, this person gets it. She messages us and says that it has all kinds of issues. She says that it's faded, that there's glue on it. And so I asked her to send pictures back to us. And and the pictures I get, she had taken these extreme close-ups of the seams where this had been glued together at the factory. And that was the glue she was talking about that, that she could see on it. So clearly it was, this was quite a reach. She was stretching, you know, and my response, you know, my, my immediate response was, you know, screw this. And I wrote a big long diatribe, which I knew I was never actually going to send. And then I wrote her the, the real e- email. I have a, it's not exactly a form letter, but I, you know, for situations like this, I have like a little note that I write and it basically says, um, you know, thanks so much for writing to us. We're really sorry that you had this experience. We want you to be happy with your purchase. Here's a $5 credit. And that's what I did. I I sent her a a $5 partial refund on the item and I think really she was just kind of fishing to to get this for the price that she wanted to get it for to begin right. with and and so she did. So she did. Yep. And the reason I do this is because when you think about what your time is worth and you have to go back and forth with someone like this, um You know, you're going to lose, you're going to lose out. And it's it's just easier to do this. And I, I know that, um, it can be, I think some sellers think that this is a bad habit to get into because it like trains buyers and they can just like automatically get a partial refund. It's been our experience that people tend not to abuse this very much. And I'm I'm really not too worried about it. It came out fine. Like I said, I'd rather do that than, than waste a lot of time going back and forth. So it was fine. Um,
1: yeah, Dave handles all of the customer inquiries and emails and returns and things yeah, because Libby it it, um, it too, stresses her out. I get so. too too fired up about stuff. And yeah,
0: and and I'm it's just better. I just try to be really zen about it, and yep. I, and a lot of it is again like golden rule customer service kind of stuff, like treating people how you would want to be treated and stuff like that. So I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt, and
1: but I mean we've sold I don't know how many items, and we've only had.
0: Yeah, we've maybe a, and, less and, than
1: five, maybe.
0: You no, know, like, re, like, oh yeah, way less, way less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've had odd odd things come up that weren't really complaints so much as you know things happen, stuff yeah. happens. I mean, this is this is something every seller goes through, so nothing yeah. nothing weird there.
1: Part of the biz.
0: Part of the biz.
1: Okay, so what are we talking about this week? The art of negotiation.
0: Yeah. So this week is the art of negotiation.
1: Um. so let's see what do we have here yeah um, we have
0: notes I, I did show notes actually a long time ago for this episode I have my
1: show notes do you have your show notes <sighs>
0: <laughs> if you were nice you would just share your notes
1: they're right here in the middle
0: you might remember that I wrote these to begin with and you just have added to them
1: yes well anyway so
0: I can, hear can you hear
1: her <laughs> that's our dog <laughs> you,
0: if you hear heavy breathing it's our dog I swear it's not me <laughs> I promise it's, it's our dog Daisy. Um, So one thing that I like to, before we even talk, really talk about negotiation. One thing that I like to tell people, remind people when you're going outsourcing is, especially if you're going to like flea markets and things like that is when you go get cash, if if it's a situation where you're going to have to pay cash and you're wanting to negotiate a price, um, make sure you got small bills,
1: right? Be prepared, get your cash, because you know, you can't haggle over a sixty dollar price tag to bring it down to forty five and then hand over sixty dollars in cash. I mean I Yeah, just, right,
0: or hand them like a hundred dollar bill.
1: I mean There's not
0: there's nothing worse than like negotiating on something like that. You know, like like Libby said, you've got you've got the sixty dollar item, you could negotiate it down to forty five dollars and then you hand the I'm, person a hundred dollar bill.
1: Right. It's just it's not kosher.
0: It's pretty rude. Yeah. So so when you go out sourcing like that, make sure you've got change, you've got small bills and things like that. And that also helps with some of the techniques that we're going to talk about. Right. Which so, will make, it'll make more sense here in, in a few minutes. Okay. okay. So first thing to know is that different methods work with particular contexts and particular personalities. So you kind of have to have some situational awareness mm-hmm. and know who you're dealing with. Um, so not, not all these situations are created equal.
1: All right. Um, So, negotiating on a price at a yard sale is way different than trying to negotiate a lower price at a flea market or trying to get a lower price at a thrift store. So, I mean, it's all, like you said, situational and maybe even a little body language or, you know, facial expressions. So... Um, there there are whole books.
0: Yeah, we we could do like multiple episodes, probably on negotiation. But I, I I try to keep it simple. So with thrift stores and consignment shops, there's typically not a whole lot of negotiating to do. Sometimes there is. It depends on the place. Like if you go to Goodwill, um, I've tried before at our Goodwill, and like maybe I'll find something that it, it's got a little bit of damage or something like that, that I think might not be a big deal for, for reselling. And I've had mediocre success. Right. Most of the time they don't care.
1: I don't. Yeah, I don't usually bargain at thrift stores or consignment stores. A lot of times they're big with only one or two employees and it's hard to find them. They're busy. They have to, you know, find a manager to see if they can do it. And it's just more than I ever want to mess with.
0: Yeah, because a lot of times what happens with with uh, especially like Goodwill, Salvation Army, um, the employees don't have authorization to mark, mark stuff down, so you have to wait on the manager, and it's, it tends just to not be worth it. And like I said, my experience has been that it, it's limited success anyway.
1: Well, and I think so too. A lot of times, you know, thrift stores it's for a good cause, right? And, right, know- it's
0: for a good cause, and so I'm, I'm not I'm not usually inclined to negotiate much there anyway. Right. Now. That being said, there are like mom and pop kind of thrift stores where you can do some negotiating um, because a lot of times you can talk, you know, the uh, it's not so much maybe a manager as like the, the owner of the store and you can talk directly to that person.
1: Yep. And these are typically some of our favorite situations.
0: Yeah. Um, yard sales, flea markets, things like that. A lot easier to negotiate because you can talk directly to the person who owns the thing. Um. So some of some of the techniques that's what we're going to talk about now. Some of the techniques that we do. Um. And and one thing that we want to add is when you are negotiating like this, don't like totally lowball people. Right. No one likes that. No.
1: I mean, make them a reasonable offer. Yeah. Make
0: them a reasonable offer. The, everybody wants to make money, and
1: well, I think a caveat to that is. There are two kinds of yard sales or garage sales or tag sales. One where people just need to get stuff out of their house, they're moving or whatever and they gotta get it out. So those people are highly negotiable. And then there are the other kind where, you know, they wanna make money. They know what they've got, they know what it's worth, and they're not they're not going to negotiate.
0: Okay, so the first one I'm gonna talk about, the, the first method is what I call the act of desperation.
1: I love your names for these, by the way. These are my
0: names that I've made up. You're not going to find, probably are not going to find these in a book unless I, you know, write a book. But so my first one that I, that I do, I call the act of desperation. And so what that is, I come up to somebody and I'm, and with this look like I just have to have this thing. Like my life depends on getting this thing. And I've already got the cash in my hand and I walk up and I say, is there any way you could take Ten dollars for this, you know, because if you did, that would like make my world forever,
1: right? And, you know, and this is one of those instances where you don't want to lowball them, but make make it a reasonable, um, want or beg or whatever you want to call it. <laughs>
0: um, this one is really pretty effective. Um, mm-hmm. and again, especially if it is a collectible. I think I've mentioned this before, but especially if it's like like a collectible or a toy or something like a vintage toy or something like that. I found it to be, you know, particularly um, effective because people then assume that you are buying it for your collection, which you may or may not be doing, but people assume that you're buying it, you know, because you're a collector and this is just something you have to have to fill your collection out. Right. And, you know, people like to help people, you know, you know, uh, a lot of times we don't appreciate that as, you know, as scavengers, as treasure hunters, we don't appreciate it, but people do want to help. And so it makes them happy, you know, if they, th- if they think you're uh, fulfilling a collection of something that you're really passionate about, you're really interested in. So is it deceptive if you are going to turn around and sell it on eBay? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe so. I don't, I never tell people what I'm going to do with it. So they're kind of like making their own in- inferences from right. from how I negotiate, I guess. Right. So I, I guess that's one to put out there, you know, is, is that – is it a deceptive tactic to to approach it that way? I don't really feel like it is, but maybe it is. Maybe it kind of is.
1: Mm.
0: I think all negotiation is kind of deceptive.
1: Right, because I don't know you. You don't know me.
0: Right. And again, this is one of the situations where you really want to make sure you, you've got small bills because you're kind of like um, – in a way, you're kind of like pleading poverty, right? So you're walking up, you're saying, is there any way you could possibly take $10 for this thing? Because $10 is what I've got.
1: I've, we have done we have done that before. Where I mean, we'll I, be I,
0: like, just, I just did this two weekends ago.
1: Yeah, we'll be like, you know pulling out w- wadded up ones from our pocket and saying, okay, here, we've got exactly $8.57. <laughs> will you take that?
0: The funny thing about that is, is that a lot of time for us that it is true. Right. <laughs> like, we have spent every well, last penny. We have spent every last penny and we'll be rolling in on fumes and we'll be like, we've got $8.50. Will you please take that? And they will be like, you know. A lot of, you know, yeah, a lot of yeah, times yeah, they'll
1: sure. laugh and it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: <laughs> um. So next up would be.
1: Oh, these are good.
0: Would be, uh, okay, oh. so uh, the next one up is the look of disinterest. And I think, you know, everybody probably kind of knows about this one, but maybe not. So it's where you, you're you at, you know, a yard sale or whatever, flea market. You pick something up and you're looking at it.
1: And, and inside you're just like, oh my God.
0: <laughs> right, inside you're like, oh, I've got to have this. I need this, you know. But you don't want to show it. But you don't want to show it. You know, it's it's all about having that poker face, right? So you pick it up, you look at it and you set it down. And you kind of walk away, but you keep one eye on it just to make sure like no one swoops in, you know, and you kind of walk away and you look at some other stuff and you know, you're just really casual about it. And then maybe you walk back up and you're like, you, know, you walk over to the, um, to the owner, to the person and you, you know, kind of tilt your head over towards this thing and say, and yeah, you know, what would, what, what would you take for that? What's, what's like the least you would take for that? And then they tell you and, and you either go for it or you don't. Um, Closely related to that is the walk away.
1: Well, I, I will say about the look of disinterest, what I have done before is, you know, I'll be checking something out. And if it's kind of toward the end of the day, I'm going to throw out there, do you really want to pack this up and take it home?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, it's the end of the day. And a lot, I, I've i used this one a lot more than the, the look of disinterest, but, you know, I've kind of made them feel like, no, I don't want to pack that up. So, um, but the, yeah, the look of disinterest is closely related to the, the walk away.
0: <laughs> so the walk away is where you do the look of disinterest and it's not successful. <laughs>
1: right, right. So
0: the walk away is the next step. It's like plan B to look for this interest. So you look at this thing and you're kind of, you know, ambivalent about it. And then you put it down and you walk, start to walk away. So that's hopefully
1: one. if it works as planned, the seller will then pipe up and say, well, you know what, wait, I can probably do, you know,
0: five bucks. Whatever. And
1: so then you're like, yes, <laughs> um, I will take that deal.
0: This, t- Happens a lot at flea markets. I've found not so yeah. much at garage sales, but some, but a lot, a lot of times at flea markets yeah. because um, they are contemplating, like Libby said, they're contemplating having to pack all this stuff up and take it back home. And so we have found that the walkaway works really well at flea markets, right?
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: you know they're they're just trying to, and um, if
1: they're really motivated, they they won't let you walk away,
0: right? The other way I've used the walkaway is have I've done this at thrift shops before where I'll be looking at something, and this will be like a mom and pop kind of thrift store, not like a Goodwill. I'll be looking at something, and the owner will see me looking at something, and we'll kind of talk about this thing, and I'll set it down, and I'll look at some other stuff, and I'll head for the door. Yeah. And I'll put my hand on the doorknob, and then I'll turn around and say, hey, how much did you want for such and such?
1: Oh, you did this a couple weeks ago with the... um... Yes,
0: I did this... A couple weeks ago with, what was it? It was
1: a box of board games.
0: Yeah. A box of vintage board games, which I ended up not buying. However, they, they were a good deal. Um, Board games. um, I will take a little um, diversion here and say that board games, they look cool. They have cool graphics and stuff. Vintage board games. I haven't made a ton of money off of them ever. It just, it just depends on the, on the board game. Of course problem i have with them is that and the, and the, this is the reason why i didn't buy these um this person had this thrift store had a big box of vintage board games and they were not your usual pop culture kind of thing these were
1: world war Two. these
0: were like yeah civil war board games world war Two board games I, i'm not saying that they're from that era i'm saying that th- these were like strategy games subject topic um those kind of games are I'm not exactly rare, but actually, yeah, kind of rare. These were from, probably from the 70s, 60s and 70s. They were very elaborate, um, had lots and lots of pieces, you know. But. And they, and they do, you know, they can sell for pretty good money on eBay. Some of them can go for, you know, $75 or $100. The problem with board games is that you have to sit down and count every piece. So you have make to go. Make sure
1: it's all
0: there. Yeah, you have to make sure it's all there. So you have to go through the instructions or sometimes there's like a little, um, a little sheet that tells like what everything is supposed to, you know, what the game is supposed to have. And so there's a, a time investment and I wasn't willing in this case, to, like sit down in the middle of their floor and go through all these board games, pull all the pieces out because you just don't want to sell a board game that's missing anything and then have a buyer turn around and, you know, want to return it or
1: whatever. <clears throat> I think on that one, um, we did start to leave and I was like, what about those board games? And I think I even got a, Follow my lead. <laughs> I was yeah. like, "What are we gonna do?"
0: <laughs> so, so they actually did give me a, a decent price on them. I didn't, I didn't end up buying them because, like I said, I didn't want to go back and have to, you know, count all those pieces. But that board games are something if they're if they are vintage or if they're sought after that I do pick up. I actually bought not too long ago. I bought a, uh, a Hero Quest board game from the '90s at Goodwill for a and sold it for pretty close to a hundred. I think like seventy five dollars somewhere in there. So, Okay, so that's The Walk Away. Um, Next up is The Cute and Lovable Proxy.
1: Oh, yeah, this one's great. (laughs) He'll love this one. (laughs) This is a Dave classic.
0: Yeah, so The Cute and Lovable Proxy. Um, If you are an old dude like me and you walk up to a garage sale or whatever and...
1: Holding a Star Wars
0: figurine. Yeah, like a 1977 Star Wars figure or something like that. Some a lot of times people just assume that you're doing exactly what you're doing, right? That you're gonna buy it and turn around and put it on eBay. And um sometimes that's the case for me and sometimes it's not. A lot I tend to also buy, you know, when it comes to collectibles, I do buy a certain amount of stuff for myself. But basically what it is is that you instead of negotiating yourself you send a lackey and you have your lackey <laughs> negotiate for you. Oh my goodness. I don't like that at all. This kid, she doesn't like that. Because um, I'm usually because the lackey. Because a lot of times she's the lackey. So here's the logic behind this. And I don't know if my logic is sound. All I know is that this has worked for me in the past. So I go to a garage sale, right? I walk up and I see collectibles, you know, vintage toys or something like that. And I get super excited and then I realize, you know, they're going to think that I'm going to take these and, and turn around and sell them on eBay, which is true. And then they're not going to want to negotiate a price, right? Because psychologically, they don't want me to, you Profit. know, yeah. Yeah, make, make money that they're leaving on the table. Right. And I totally get that. It's right. just a psychological thing. I totally get it. So when I sense that that is going to be a thing, and so a lot of times you just have to like, you know, again, it's situational awareness. You just kind of have to read people and you can got, kind of get an idea that this this might be an issue. So when that happens, you know, what? the way I used to do it was we would take our kids' you know, um, garage ceiling with us and I would just send one of my kids. I would say, here, take this, walk up to that lady and ask her if she'll take a dollar.
1: And our, now our daughter would never do it.
0: Our daughter would never do it. She was always too cool.
1: Yes, but now our Plus, son... He would walk up and talk to him. He had no yeah. He would he would talk to anybody,
0: <laughs> and he was super cute. And they would pat him on the head and say, "Absolutely, <laughs> here you can have it." You know. Right. And so that's great. Well, our son is like twenty some years old now, and and twenty
1: six. Um, He's gonna
0: be twenty six. Ooh shh, hush. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so now Libby does it. So right. now, now I make Libby my, um, lovable proxy. So I will hand her something and I'll say, here, walk up, ask them how much, you know. They
1: what was cost. that thing we did this, uh, it was a, what was it? And you um, really wanted it and some other limbs fall apart real easily. Oh,
0: oh, you're talking about Micronaut.
1: Yeah, it was a Micronaut, <laughs> but the guy, yeah. it was an older, oh, that's funny. It was an older couple. I'm probably late. 60s, and they had it with the Star Wars. And Dave yeah, they had they it. had
0: it listed as a Star Wars figure, and it was actually a micronaut. And I, I had Dave's, uh,
1: He saw it right off the bat.
0: And I um, had micronauts when I was a kid, and so I, I wanted this one. It didn't. It it doesn't have a, a ton of like resale value. I think we got it for four. I think he had like eighteen on it, and we got it for ten.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's yeah. worth maybe like twenty two. You know, it doesn't have a, a ton of resale value, but I just wanted it. I'm gonna sell it, but I wanted to have one in my hands again, just because I, it was part of my childhood. Well, and I, you know,
1: and they fell apart really easy. So to find yeah. a complete one,
0: yeah, they they um they were very loose, and their feet came off and stuff like that. So so it was rare. To, it's rare to find one these days that is complete. And this one was complete. And so, yeah, we did that. We did the the lovable proxy. So I I gave it to Libby, and Libby walked up there and.
1: How much do you want for that? That alien spaceship man guy <laughs> there, you know. Yeah,
0: part part of the technique is you know is the level proxy has to be totally ignorant about this thing, right? Right. Because right. if it's clear that they're um you know like a collector or whatever, then it's never going to work. It's, maybe it's not going to work, you know. Right. And you're probably sitting there thinking, why don't you just just man up and just go ask him? You know, why do you, why are you assuming that you know. they're not going to want to deal? But again, this is based on our years and years of experience doing this. We've been doing this right. for a long time, and it works. It totally works. Trust <laughs> me. I, I would actually say that uh, there's a lot of times where Libby's probably a better negotiator than me, because um, because she's not squeamish about it at all. I used to be like really squeamish about it, mm-hmm. and I didn't I didn't like um, negotiating. Um, years ago, when we when we for, kind of first started doing this. I would always make somebody else do it. I didn't I didn't like to ask. I have no trouble with it now, but mm-hmm. you know, back when we first started doing this, I I wasn't as good at it.
1: Yeah, I don't have a problem with it at all.
0: So the the last technique that we're going to talk about is something that if you watch American pickers, you're already familiar with, which is bundling. Right. So and basically I- that's just, that's where you um you know, start grabbing stuff, pile it up, and then do like an all for one price.
1: And I just did that this week.
0: Yeah, I just did it too.
1: We have a uh, a surplus store in our in here in our town that is uh, surplus items from the local college, and they had ten dollars a piece on these athletic pants, new and package. And I said, "What's the best you can do?" You know, on these. And instead of paying ten dollars a pair, I paid six dollars a pair, and then I got all four for twenty five dollars.
0: Yeah, I um, I did the same thing when we were at this at the this surplus store. If you live in a college town, I don't know if I'm I'm sure not all colleges do this, but if you live in a college town, you might check into this. A lot of universities have a surplus store where, when things have been decommissioned or when you know like a department closes or something like that, they send all this stuff to a store, basically to kind of like recycle it, you know, to sell it to the public and kind of um, recoup some of the, some of the money that was spent to purchase it, right? So a lot of times um, these stores will sell um, computers and laptops and all kinds of stuff. Um, ours, our surplus store, literally sells everything. They sell right. furniture, they sell m- movies on DVD. Because um, a lot of times they'll be cleaning out like uh, dormitories where right. where the students have lived, you know, and the students will leave a bunch of stuff behind, and they'll collect all that and they'll resell it.
1: Tons of athletic wear and cleats and basketball shoes and jerseys and. All of the lost and found from all over campus goes there.
0: Yeah i I think we talked a little bit uh, in our last episode about sourcing, and we kind of brushed on this a little bit. But this is a, a great way to source stuff for reselling. Our surplus store even had a pallet of vacuum tubes, like like new old stock vacuum tubes from RCA, all yeah. different kinds. And um, oh, they
1: had they had tons of beakers. Which would probably have been a good pickup because I think. The big yeah, she's, ta- ones.
0: she's talking about labware. you lab know, like lab and lab glassware
1: and I mean, and curtains and tables and credences. I mean, just everything. I'm literally it was just they have a little bit of everything.
0: So I did a uh, a bundling thing myself this last time we were there, and I found some uh, new old stock VHS tapes, which don't sound like they would be worth anything but, but it, they are but they are yeah um if you can find now not i'm not talking about like you know blank vhs tapes that you find at a garage sale that where somebody was recording soap operas and stuff like that i mean like brand new fresh vhs that are still shrink wrapped in bundles that are you know basically new mm-hmm. new old stock yep. those could be worth some money and found, I think, like four, three or four bundles of those. Right. And bought them for three bucks a piece. And we just sold them for close to $100. Because, he had
1: five on them. Wanted- yeah, they,
0: they had uh, actually $6. They wanted $6 a piece. And I got them for $3 a piece by bundling them up. Mm-hmm. And the reason they're, they're valuable is because they don't make, I don't believe they actually make any new media now for VHS. I think it, whatever is out there is all that's out there.
1: Right. And we pick them up whenever we see them. So, so we pick them up
0: whenever we see them. So that's, that is um, a bolo for this week is be on the lookout for media like that. That is hard to find. I also picked, they also had um, digital video cassettes, which mm-hmm. is another one of those quote unquote dead medias. Right. But if you have a, a perfectly good video camera that uses digital video cassette, um, then you're going to be on the, in the market for these. And I just picked up at the same store, the same surplus store. I picked up a bundle of those and they sold almost immediately. Yeah. So, both those things. Be on the lookout for for old media. I.e., just this weekend, yesterday, I bought some floppy disks.
1: <laughs> the cashier was like, "What are these?" <laughs> yeah, it
0: was funny. The cashier had no idea what they were.
1: Clueless. These
0: were these weren't even the um, like the the little hard shell three and uh, whatever it is like three and a quarter inch floppies. These were the bigger like five and a half inch floppy disks that were truly floppy. I bought a brand new sealed box of those, mm-hmm. and I have no idea if, they're, if they'll sell or not, but again, it's one of those kind of things where f- finding some that are brand new doesn't happen very often, and there may be somebody out there. Believe it or not, get this. This is crazy. I just read this in the news not too long ago, that only recently the Navy was an, on their um, uh, navigation systems, on their ships. They were using hardware that still used old floppy
1: disks. Oh, my gosh. That's scary. Isn't
0: that scary? <laughs> Holy crap. So, like, I might sell these to the Navy. I don't know.
1: <laughs> but... Yeah, so, but- Somebody might want them.
0: Yeah. Maybe the Navy wants them. Mm-hmm. Because I, in, in the article, they said that uh, right up until recently, like like the last couple years, uh, the navigation systems on a lot of Navy ships were, were still using hardware that used old floppy disks, like the floppy floppy disks.
1: That's kind of scary.
0: Yeah. So they've been going through this- um,
1: Upgrade, this, I hope. Yeah.
0: This upgrade program to, to improve all their equipment. Bring and get, them and, into the <laughs>
1: next century. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're like- Yeah. They're like (laughs) 40 years behind or whatever. So, so that was pretty cool. Bought those. Um, I guess that's it for negotiation. Do we want to talk about cool stuff? And in addition to what we just talked about, do we want to talk about cool stuff we found? We've, we spent all weekend sourcing. We spent all last week sourcing. Um, we haven't been listing very much the last few days because we spent all our time sourcing.
1: Let's see. I'm trying to think where we went.
0: We uh, spent all day um, yesterday in Louisville, Kentucky, got back really late and hit a bunch of thrift stores. We The, the, the thrift stores on this trip were the kind we don't usually hit up. They, they were, were more, very high-end. They were more high-end. These were closer to um, – again, th- uh, Louisville is a college town, and yeah. these thrift stores were closer to campus. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of times where you find like the, the higher end stuff, mm-hmm. but then they're also priced accordingly, you know, so you don't, unless they're running a sale, you know, like a clearance sale, you don't typically find a lot of stuff to flip, but sometimes you do.
1: I don't even remember. I don't think, oh, the first one we did, it was called Nearly New. Mm-hmm. And we, that's where you found some Fitz and Floyd cups.
0: Yeah, I found a, cups. Of, a Fe, found a set of, found uh, a set of Fitz and Floyd cups. To resell. I
1: was super excited. That's I, also where
0: I found the the sealed box of floppy disks.
1: Right. I was super excited because I, I found a pair of Ferragamos, a black uh, peep toe Ferragamos. So,
0: I have no idea what that means.
1: So, well, yeah, it's a super high end shoe made in Italy. So I was super excited to find those. It's a brand I had never found before, but knew it was. Worth picking up. So we got that.
0: Yeah. One interesting thing that I found, we went to, what was that um, that one really quirky thrift store we went to yesterday? It was called... Oh, the, the Fat Rabbit. Yeah, the Fat Rabbit. So I went to a thrift store called the Fat Rabbit. Yeah, it was, like I said, it's, it's a college kid hangout. And they didn't have a ton of stuff to flip, but the one interesting thing I found was they had bu- these boxes of um, Kodachrome slides. And again, now, this... I have
1: no idea what this is.
0: <laughs> right. I don't know what Farragama shoes are, but I do know Kodachrome <laughs> slides when I see them. And these are the kind of thing that they, um, at first glance, they don't seem to really, like they would really have any value. Um, but there are people who collect them, um, especially the slides. The The Kodachrome slides that have the red border are particularly collectible. And what people tend to look for on those are uh, landmarks, like obvious landmarks. Um, like the Golden Gate Bridge, like if you see a slide of the Golden Gate Bridge or something like that. Um, subject matter wise, people like slides where you can kind of tell what era the the photo was taken. Mm-hmm. So, the ones that I were that I was looking at yesterday, they were all from the 1950s, and okay. so they were perfect. The subject matter was perfect. Like, That's <laughs> when Kodachrome was kind of at its at its height, I think. Yeah. And the reason it's sought after is because the colors are very vibrant; they're very rich, and also Kodachrome was kind of like its Height of popularity was around the fifties and sixties, and so people like the subject matter, and you know, like I said, people um, look for
1: everyday, kind of like everyday life scenes, like a family at the beach,
0: right? Things, things, but but in particular where you can really kind of date it, right? Mm -hmm. So when you can see like really good examples of fashion of the day. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what people like to see in these kind of slides.
1: Pink Christmas trees.
0: Yeah. Like pink Christmas trees. One of the slides I picked up was, uh, it was a family sitting around a Christmas tree and it was like one of those like pink frosted Christmas trees from the 1950s, you know, which is perfect. S- stuff like that. Also old cars, like where you can see a street filled with like old 1950s cars. Right. People like that kind of stuff. So I grabbed like about a dozen of these, I think mm-hmm. for, a qu- for a quarter, for a quarter a piece. Mm-hmm. And on eBay, they sell depending on the subject matter. They sell for you know ten to twenty five. Some of them sell for a hundred dollars or more a piece. So again, this is like uh, an off the wall kind of bolo. Be on the lookout. But if you see Kodachrome slides, um, like I said, look for the the red border mm-hmm. and subject matter wise, look for you know things that kind of place these in a certain time. Right. Also look for historical landmarks or obvious landmarks, bridges. Um, you know, parks, cityscapes, things like that.
1: So, yeah, I have no idea how you're going to take a slide and.
0: Yeah. So that's my next, that's my next um, hurdle is I have to now photograph all these slides that I bought and get them on eBay somehow. Somehow figure out so, how to
1: make that picture.
0: Yeah. I've got, uh, I was looking at some YouTube videos last night and I think I have a plan and I may actually do like a video on this.
1: Yeah. At- Cause I was, I'm, I'm like, what in the world are you gonna do with those? But, um, yeah, he has a plan.
0: So I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited about him.
1: So that was a weird. Fun yesterday. Then we went to the Goodwill Outlet bins, which yeah, everybody we did, knows I love. We did
0: the bins. And I'm, I'm did- I know I've like kind of bad mouth the bins. I was just, I'm, you know, I was just kind of being funny or whatever. But I'm, I'm a bins convert. I do, I do like the bins.
1: Last night, if
0: if I like the bins, if you can find good ones
1: right and we did we this is a new goodwill outlet that opened up in southern Indiana almost almost to Louisville in Clarksville I think
0: Clarksville yeah
1: and it, we've had pretty good luck there we found yeah. some really different things
0: it was kind of obvious that they trucked in stuff from other goodwills to kind of get this this outlet going you know it had it had stuff kind of like yeah. from all over but we've We've been there twice now, and we've yeah. found some really good stuff. The mm-hmm. The bins that are closest to us, closest to home, uh, we've been to several times, and they don't tend yeah. to have a whole lot. No. We, find, we always find stuff. I mean, we find stuff. But no- to be
1: fair, we only went that one time, and it was on the first Saturday of the month, which is their half-price day, and it was crazy. I mean, crazy. So, I mean, where we went last night was a lot more laid back and... A lot less people and...
0: Yeah, uh, some bins, some Goodwill bin places, Goodwill outlets, um, it's just like a crazy free-for-all and people right. are throwing elbows and stuff. And then we've been to some where it's like super slow and they're really small and yeah. you, you can kind of tell that there are regulars who spend a lot of time there and they know you know, what to, what to look for and where to look for mm-hmm. it right off the bat and so...
1: But we got you got some really. Di- he got a a Tropicana vintage Hawaiian shirt.
0: Uh, what's What's interesting about it is most Hawaiian shirts you find are short, short sleeve. sleeve. This one is actually long long sleeve. Mm-hmm. If you were alive in the seventies, you might remember that for about a minute there was this fad of what they call paper shirts. These like dress shirts that felt like they were made of paper and they were like really crinkly. I grabbed it because it was um, strange and unusual, and I always look for the strange and unusual.
1: Um. You also grabbed what looked like a Japanese kimono.
0: I Yeah, I found uh, what looked like a, a kimono. I found some wraparound skirts.
1: They were, they're like double layer and the, with the craziest... Clothes.
0: I don't usually go for clothes, but this last time we went to the bins, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm going, I'm going, I'm all in. Chips are all in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, think outside the box and... That's what I did. I and know
1: I, he was just—he got a huge tapestry that we haven't even.
0: Yeah, I found a tapestry that was that was um, made in Egypt that was hand, hand woven and made in Egypt. So we have to look that one up. It needs uh, needs some dry cleaning, but we got to look that we one up. We got a
1: print, an art print.
0: Yeah, I found a really cool art print, probably from the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, and was... the frame was in perfect condition. The glass was intact, which mm-hmm. again for bins that's really unusual. Yep.
1: Yeah, so, um, oh, and you got a VC. what was that a VC? Oh
0: yeah, I got a uh d v d and v c r combo again, one of those retro kind of things that a lot of people don't think have any value, but they actually are sought after, believe it or not, I'm not sure why I'm not sure why people want those, but they do they do, so I got it for however much it was, probably you know probably
1: a couple bucks probably a
0: couple bucks, and they're they're going for a hundred and some on eBay, so yeah,
1: so we're gonna clean it up and put it out there. Then today we went to two. Well, we went to a hobby store that was going out of business. Yep. Um, and did some retail arbitrage there. Uh, they uh, got a couple things.
0: And then we hit uh, a couple other. Two uh, mom and pop thrift affiliated stores.
1: affiliated thrift stores that were. Well, the one was huge. It just kept going on and on and on. Um, and we got a ton of stuff from both of those. So.
0: Yeah. Bottom line is we've got. Um, you know, I think the the most fun doing this for anybody who does it probably is the sourcing.
1: Right. That's my favorite part.
0: That's my favorite part. I like the sourcing. Well, um,
1: that and the organizing. I'm pretty well. big on that.
0: <laughs> She's weird that way. <laughs> um, I'm one of the few guys, I guess, that maybe enjoys shopping. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I like I like to shop. He
1: does. It's great. It's wonderful.
0: And. Um, so, we spent a lot of time sourcing these last couple of weeks, but we have not spent a lot of time photographing, writing descriptions, listing, and stuff like that. That's
1: the we have two weeks before we uh, have our grandkids for five days, so we have got to get a lot done before then. So we will be very busy the next two weeks.
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot to, we've got a lot to get done oh. So, um, let's see. What else did I have on the agenda for tonight? I I wanted to very quickly – and I don't know if this topic can be talked about very quickly, but I I do want to talk about it really quick because I've noticed this coming up lately on forums that I've been on. I belong to a lot of um, eBay reseller groups and a lot of online – eBay reseller forums and things mm-hmm. like that and a topic of conversation. And again, we will probably devote a whole episode to this, but I want to put this out there now just because it's, it's causing a lot of controversy. And if I can help somebody kind of understand this situation better, then I'd like to go ahead and, and uh, do that now if I can and help someone out. So I've seen a lot of talk about um, eBay managed payments
1: I have no idea. I just, I heard somebody say one time that they weren't going to do it till they were forced to. And I was like, what is it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's causing a lot of anxiety, I think with, with some eBay sellers and basically what has happened is, and I'm not sure how many people are aware of this, but you know, eBay and PayPal used to be all, all one in the same and they went their separate ways a few years ago. And as part of that agreement, um, eBay decided that they were going to create their own payment system to kind of re- replace PayPal or whatever. And it's called eBay managed payments. And as part of their agreement, as they are divorcing themselves from PayPal, um, they agreed to roll out managed payments to no more than 10% of, um, sellers, eBay sellers mm-hmm. their first year, which was 2018. Right. Right. And then they were going to roll it out to, I believe, an additional 20% of sellers in 2019. And then by the end of 2020, it was going to be available to everybody. And so eBay Managed Payments is a a payment system, just like PayPal is a payment system. Um, eBay will handle your payments for you, the, the payment processing for you. And just like PayPal, people can pay with credit cards or debit cards. Um, some differences are that PayPal, I believe, charges 2.9% of a transaction, and then they charge a per transaction fee of 30 cents. I
1: right, believe. right.
0: So, um, up to this point, pay, uh, eBay managed payments. So, up to this point, um, eBay managed payments has charged a 2.7% fee on transactions. So, about uh, 0.2% less than PayPal. And up to this point, they have not charged a per-transaction fee. Um, Now, as I understand it, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but as I understand it from what I've read, um, eBay is considering charging a per-transaction fee at some point, probably this year, for eBay-managed payments. If you were an early adopter of managed payments and you joined before July, then um, from what I've read, you are grandfathered in and at least for now, you won't have to pay that per transaction fee, that thirty cents. you'll have to, you'll you'll still get you know the the two point seven percent charge of the overall total, but the per transaction fee you won't have to pay at least for now. And so that's what's got a lot of people up in arms because they keep hearing about this um, $0.30 fee that eBay is going to start charging on transactions. But if you
1: use PayPal, you're paying it there too, right? Right,
0: exactly. So if you're using PayPal, it all kind of evens out. Now, the one little bit of difference that has got um, some people upset is that there is a rumor, or maybe it's not a rumor, maybe it's a fact, I don't know, People are saying that apparently um, eBay is talking about charging that thirty cent transaction fee per item, which you know, of course they would, right? But what what that means is not not per not just like per transaction, but actually per item. So let's say you know you've got a bunch of widgets in your store, and it's the kind of thing that people tend to buy multiples of. Oh, I don't know, like socks. Right, so socks. So, so let's say that you're, you know, your store sells socks, and it's that would definitely be the kind of thing that you would sell multiples of, right? You um,
1: have to have two socks.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that goes without <laughs> saying. But you know, so so socks would be be the kind of thing where you know potentially your customers would buy more than just one pair. Um, so what people are saying is that eBay is talking about charging a $0.30 cent fee per item in a transaction. Not just per transaction, but per item in a transaction. Wow. Yeah. So, that is getting people up in arms. And, you know, rightfully so. Uh, if you're one of those huge sellers that's selling like, f- you know, 30, 40, 50,000 things a year or whatever, um, that you could take a big hit, I feel like. And I, I feel like that the backlash on this will be such that eBay maybe won't go through with it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this is like locked in. I, I, um, I'm kind of hesitant to talk authoritatively about it because I don't know enough. I've, I've read as much as I can on it recently, but it's just something to be aware of. Also, as of right now, managed payments is something that you can get an invite to from eBay and you can opt into it, but it's not mandatory. However, Um, I believe the intent is that it will eventually be mandatory, that you won't Mm -hmm. have any choice.
1: Maybe this is something they'll talk about at eBay Open this year.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure this will be a huge topic, eBay Open this year. Um, Another thing about it is that – and this this is kind of a deal breaker for me. Maybe I'm being irrational about it. I don't know. But if you opt in to eBay managed payments right now, then – Your customers can use a credit card, they can use a debit card, but they can't use PayPal.
1: Ugh.
0: Yeah, ugh. And I feel like a lot of people just kind of associate PayPal payments with eBay. Like, they're just so used to using their PayPal account for eBay. Well,
1: I know. But, like, for us, our PayPal account is totally separate from our... Bank account. Bank account.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we like it that way because it makes our accounting a lot easier. And the way managed payments works is that they deposit into your bank account Um, so there's that the other thing that I have heard from people are using managed payments is that unlike PayPal where you get the money immediately with managed payments because they're transferring money to your bank account sometimes there's a delay and that delay is I guess dependent on your bank and sometimes it's you know it's like 24 hours sometimes it's like two or three days so Mm -hmm. I think again that's going to have people kind of upset
1: yeah I think that's how Amazon, the FBA, fulfilled by Amazon people, it works for them. Yeah,
0: the same way they get their money deposited directly into the mm-hmm. bank account. Um, I don't see any of these things as being huge hurdles, right? Like I said, right now, the thing that bothers me the most is that PayPal is not um, an, an option, option for payments. I, that that one kind of worries me. As I understand it, it's not because eBay doesn't want PayPal to be a payment option. It has more to do – It's a, it's a software issue. Um, I think everyone, who, everyone who's used PayPal, you know, as a payment option on eBay, you know how it works, right? You go to pay for something, and it actually takes you out of the site. You go to PayPal, you make your transaction, and then you come back to the original site. And that is the part I believe that's causing eBay problems mm-hmm. with their new managed payment system. So it is a, as I understand it, it is a software issue that they need to overcome, uh-huh. and eBay is saying that they're working on it and that they do want to be able to add PayPal as a payment option. But now here is where I am cautiously optimistic about managed payments. So as a seller, you know that sometimes you have a, you know, a, an issue with a buyer where they get something and they don't like it for whatever reason. They file an item not as described and that goes to eBay. And if it's a bogus claim, eBay finds in your favor and you're good. And then that person can turn around and maybe file the same kind of claim with PayPal and PayPal does not find in your favor and you're not good. But with managed payments, there's no PayPal for them to appeal to, right? There's just managed payments. And so it takes, it takes that factor out of the equation.
1: So if they paid with like their visa card, cause could they then go back? Could, could and-
0: they go back and do a chargeback? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question,
1: right? Let's figure that out.
0: But, like I said, at least at least it takes the PayPal element out of there, and I feel like that if if somebody if if like if if eBay does find in your favor, and then somebody tries to do a chargeback, I think that it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to make that chargeback happen, right? If eBay is on your side,
1: right? Makes sense. Makes sense.
0: And even if a chargeback does happen, I mean, that might just be between the person and their credit card company. The credit card company may do the chargeback and eat it. I don't know. Right. I'm not, I'm not sure how that would work. Or maybe eBay does. I don't know. Yeah. Like if eBay finds in your favor and then the, a person does a chargeback on their credit card and the credit card finds in their favor, eBay probably isn't going to reverse their decision. They're, they're probably just going to, you know, ab- absorb that cost. Right. Right. I'm I'm guessing. I don't know. Like so much of this stuff right now, I feel like is it's
1: just conjecture. Yeah.
0: Speculative. So I don't know. So, but that is so far, that is what I know about managed payments. Um, Some people um, are just confused about this, this um, whole 30 cent fee thing. And they think it is a, like a new fee that has to do with auction sales or with buy it now sales. and, And they're not making the connection that it actually has to do with managed payments. So I think I, I from what I've seen, there are people out there that are kind of freaking out because they think that eBay is going to start charging them thirty cents on everything they sell, just like off the top or whatever. And that's not the case. This this is a wholly separate thing from the the auction or buy it now sales fees. You know, like the the listing fee or the final value fee. This has nothing to do with that. This is strictly a transaction fee, and so it's you know because people aren't. You know, I, I feel like eBay hasn't done a very good job of marketing managed payments yet or, or kind of telling people about it. I could be wrong, but I
1: – I just feel I, like they're you – know, I wouldn't
0: know about it at all if I hadn't read about it on like some forums and things.
1: You know, They just kind of mentioned it to two people and now you know there's all these whispers and – Yeah,
0: they really need to get ahead of this and market it a lot better I feel like because I, I think there's a lot of like rumor mongering going on and there's a lot of disinformation out there and – Um, they really, they should have headed it off. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not looking in the right places, but I, I wouldn't know about managed payments at all. If I wasn't in a lot of groups and forums and things where I was reading about it.
1: Right. I know nothing about it. So,
0: so that's it. That's what we know about that. Um, anything else this week?
1: No, we've got a lot to do.
0: Yeah, we've got a lot to do. So we should probably sign off this and go get busy listing so we can make some money.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, again, thanks for listening. We really, really appreciate it. This has been David. This is Libby. And this is Trash to Treasure with Jupiter Jane. Please go check out our website. It's www.jupiterjane.com, and that's J-A-Y-N-E. Libby reminded me that I have not been telling people that and that their first instinct, of course, would not be to type Jane, J-A-Y-N-E.
1: Right. I mean, who spells it that way?
0: Yeah, who spells it that way? Just weirdos like us. Right? So... Yeah, when you, when you look for us on social media or when you look for us, you know, look for our website, that's how it's spelled. It's Jupiter Jane and that's J-A-Y-N-E. So www.jupiterjane.com. Check out our website. Uh, check us out on social media. We haven't posted a lot lately, but we're hoping to change that really soon. We've got some videos coming up and some cool photos and things like that. So have a great week. Yep. Have a great week, you guys. Bye.